Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Jacques Hopkins, and I am coming to you right now from the future. It's 2020, and you are embarking upon a journey of the online course show back when I started in like 2017. So I wanted to add this quick little newer introduction back to episode one because I'm finding, you know, we're well over 100 episodes in now. And I'm finding that a lot of people are finding the podcast and then jumping all the way back to episode one and listening from the beginning. And that's totally cool. But I just wanted to give you a few little disclaimers about doing that. This podcast and my my ability to help you with online courses has evolved and changed and improved through the years. So I want to first and foremost tell you that the latest and greatest information is on the newer episodes and not these older episodes. There's still a lot of value in these older episodes. But I just want to let you know that there may be certain ways I was doing things uh, back in 2017, and, and I've, I've changed them, tweaked them, and made them better um, several years into the future. So um, just you know, take these episodes with a grain of salt, and, and remember that the latest and greatest information is on some of the newer episodes. You'll also notice that somewhere along the way, I kind of changed the name of the podcast. This is the online course show because I want this show to be all about online courses. And when I first started, I called it the online course guy podcast. And eventually I realized that that was too much focused on me and not enough about you and the online courses. So somewhere along the way, I don't remember exactly what episode it was. I changed the name of it. So you'll notice that in episode one and in the next several dozens of episodes. It's called the Online Course Guy podcast, but um, it's now officially the Online Course Show. That's kind of a minor detail, but just wanted to uh, clear up any confusion there. And then the next thing I'll tell you is that, man, the audio quality in what you're about to hear is so bad. (laughs) Uh, Episode one, you know, I didn't have any listeners on episode one. And so I actually recorded episode one on the wrong microphone. I I was accidentally recording, I think, from like my webcam's, uh, webcam's microphone or something like that. So the audio quality is just horrible. And when I realized it, I didn't re-record it or change it because I didn't really have any listeners at the time and I didn't know where it was going to go. And so, so many people go back to episode one. I'm like, ah, please don't judge episode one by the audio quality. I didn't know what I was doing from a podcasting and an audio perspective um, and didn't have the the nice, fancy, professional uh, podcasting microphone that that I'm coming at you with right now. Um, So don't judge it by the audio quality. And then the last thing I want to tell you is that the way that this podcast started was the first like 19 or 20 episodes is basically me coaching somebody else. It's me coaching this guy named Nate. And and what happened is Nate reached out to me several years ago, uh, probably, you know, six months, three months or something before this podcast started. And it was like, hey, Jacques, I really admire what you've done with your online piano course. I've got this uh, this microgreens farming course, and you know it does uh, it does it does okay. You know it does a thousand dollars a month or something like that. But I could really use your guidance and coaching in helping uh, me take it to the next level. And so I started coaching Nate a couple of times, and, and then after a couple of times of him paying me to coach him, I was like, you know, Nate, I've, I've always wanted to start a podcast about online courses. Would you be interested in just kind of recording our coaching sessions? And, and I'll turn those into a podcast and, and in exchange, like you won't have to pay me for the coaching sessions. And he was all about it. And so that's really how this podcast started. And that's what we did for, like I said, the first 19 or 20 episodes. 
and it's hopefully you'll find it interesting hearing his progression uh, as we go through this because the reason we kind of stopped was because he had gotten to slash exceeded my level in my online course. And the, his results across the first 20 episodes are really amazing. And he, you know, even to this day, he's doing 50, 60, $70,000 a month uh, in revenue with his online uh, microgreens uh, farming course. Uh, which is just amazing, just amazing. And, um, and he's actually, so Nate is actually still my accountability partner to this day. Um, love the guy. He's one of my best friends. And we talk each and every week um, about our businesses and hold each other accountable um, to this day. So I uh, just wanted to prepare you for what you're getting into and give you those few disclaimers. I am so, so glad you're here and that you found this podcast and, and maybe are starting to trust me as an online course uh, coach and mentor for you. And if you want to continue this conversation and find out more about how I can help you, then head over to the online course guy.com. You'll notice there almost everything that I have to offer uh, is is free for the most part. And I rely on affiliate income to support this brand. And so head over there. I've got programs for beginners. If you don't have a course yet or you haven't made a sale yet, then I have a program there called the Online Course Accelerator, which I would highly encourage you to check out. Uh, and then if you have a course already, then you need to be in Next Level Courses. Next Level Courses is, is basically a mastermind for those that have courses already. And that's where I show all of my advanced um, trainings, tactics, evergreen webinars, uh, how to relaunch, how to get consistent testimonials, affiliate programs, all the advanced stuff there to take your course to the next level, outsourcing, automating, finding good people, um, and so on is in next level courses. Um, and even for that, there's a way that you can get in for free. So you can check that out at the online course guy.com. I also have a, about an hour long workshop you can watch for free. If you want to get more information and get a sample of my teaching as well, all that's at the online course guy.com. That's what I have to offer guys. A lot, a lot, a lot of value, hopefully. Welcome to episode one. Without further ado, here is the original episode one from back in 2017, starting right now. This is episode one of the Online Course Guy podcast. I'm Jacques Hopkins, the Online Course Guy, and this is the show where we show you how to turn your hobby or passion into a profitable online course. I was able to do just that with the piano, and now after being an engineer for eight years, I'm proud to say I support my family with the income for my online piano course. I'm also joined by Nate Dotson, who is hard at work on his own online course. How's it going, Nate? It's going pretty good, Jacques. Happy to be on here. So this is episode one, man. Not sure where this thing's going to go, but uh, let's just have some conversations about online courses. Sounds good. You remember what our topic today is? Are we going to tell our backstory? Yeah, our thing online, today? online course stories. Get uh, Let people get to know us a little bit, understand where we're coming from in terms of our own online courses. So I'll uh, I'll start, you know, I'll I'll, I'll talk about my story, where I am with my online course. Feel free to jump at any time, ask questions. I know you know a little bit about my story. You probably don't know, know everything. And I could say the same about you as well. Yeah. So, you know, before the call, we were talking a little bit about like our entrepreneurial beginnings. And uh, for me, you know, it's, I don't think I had as much business uh, interest and savvy 
as you when I was like really little. I think it really started for me when I was a senior in college and I picked up four hour work week for the first time. Uh, have you read that book? Yeah. Oh yeah. I loved it. I'm sure just about everybody doing what we're doing has read yep. that book at least uh, multiple times. I've probably read it five or six times at this point. And uh, that, I don't remember why I even picked it up, you know, cause I was, I was just going about my business. You know, I'd always wanted to be an engineer. Um, I, I never questioned that. I never questioned going, get it, going and getting a, a normal job and, uh, and doing that until I was 65. That I was excited about that. Yeah. And then I read this book and I was like, man, you know, he had, he had several examples in that. And one of them was like selling t-shirts and he talked about, um, putting up AdWords to test it and figuring out what marketing messages was best and things like that. And then just getting mm-hmm. sales, uh, while, while you sleep and things like that. And I'm thinking, how cool is that? Right. And it was, yeah. it was a world I never really thought about or explored at all. And so it gets, it got the wheels turning. Of course, I was just about to graduate. So it's not like I'm going to not graduate and, and go, I think I already had a job lined up too. And I'm not a risk taker. I'm not a big risk taker. So, um, I still went, went to work and everything, but my first, my first thing I tried after reading that book was called Hopkins HTPC, which stood for uh, home theater, you know, personal computer. And this was 2007, 2008. So this was before like Google Chromecast, Roku, Apple TV, before all that. But it was still a time where people were interested in kind of having their TV be a computer. And so mm-hmm. I, uh, I just kind of assembled computer parts and made, you know, put together a device, a computer, but it was, it looked nice. It looked kind of like a receiver that you want to have with your other electronics and you can plug it into your TV. Um, guess how many I sold? How many? Two, one, zero, zero. It was like a thousand dollars. Nobody wanted to pay for that. Plus yeah, I didn't know what I was doing from a marketing perspective. Right. I mean, it, uh, it quickly was a failure very quickly. Um, so I didn't give up, you know, like you, you've, you've tried many things and, um, I know you've got varying levels of success with your various things, but I really had a lot of failures on my way to having success with an online course. Um, I tried something called desk docker. Uh, I, I was into the stand up desk stuff. I still am. And I wanted to have a way where people could just take their existing desk and raise it up rather than having, having to build something new. So I kind of designed this thing that you could put underneath your desk and, uh, man, I just, I, I, it was really difficult. And that's when I decided I didn't want to have any sort of physical product. I wanted to be all online. Um, I tried mm-hmm. various blogs and I'm not a good writer. You know, blogs didn't really work out. W- one of the last blogging type things I tried was called one change a month. And I was just going to kind of talk about or try to change one thing in my life or form one new habit each month. Um, mm-hmm. and just write about it or you know, vlog about it or something. And that didn't really go very far. But fortunately, that's what led me into my online piano course. I, uh, I was I was really procrastinating, you know, I I work a long day at work, come home, I would, uh, I I knew I should be working on my side business or side hustle, whatever you want to call it. And I would instead be playing the piano. And that's what I'd be procrastinating with. And it just it just clicked like, Hey, maybe, maybe there's something with piano I could be doing. And I I was like, I wonder if I can teach people with an online course, 
how to play piano because I do I do kind of play a little bit differently um, mm-hmm. than most people or teach differently than most people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you listen to Smart Passive Income podcast? Yeah, I've listened to a few episodes of it. Yeah, with Pat Flynn, pretty good. Yeah, um, really, yep. really popular. Yeah. The very next day, I was listening to an episode of that, and he had a a guy on that had made an online piano course, and uh, I was like, it seemed like destiny, right? Yeah, that's an omen for sure. <laughs> so uh, I took that and I ran with it, and I just I, I was gonna make it part of that one change a month thing at first, and then I quickly just shifted gears. And, uh, and, and I did that and that was about 2013 when I started my online piano course and, uh, man, it took about eight months to make, uh, when I hit go, I made like three sales. Um, it took several years to get it, to, to get it, you know, profitable and, and, uh, and where it is today. And it's, uh, today it's, um, I sell multiple copies a day, you know, I, I make, uh, I make five figures a month from it. And, uh, and it's, it's the main source of income for my family right now. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll get into that and and my story and your story more as we go through these, uh, these episodes and stuff, but let's shift gears to yours because I think, you know, you, you're, you're, you have an online course, but you're, you're a couple steps behind me, I would say. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so why don't you take the ball and, and, you know, jump back as far back as you want to go. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I've always just kind of made stuff. I've just always been a maker. I just have ideas in my head and I want to get them out there in the world. And that's been my drive the whole time to be an entrepreneur. I guess, you know, I just, to me, selling something valid validates that that idea is, is a good idea. I just always wanted that validation when I, when I would finish an idea. So, for me, it was make something, then find, then try and sell it. And I was, I would do that for little, little businesses in high school and uh, middle school, even uh, little things like a school newspaper. And um, I even remember selling these things called wing dings. We called them in like fourth grade. They were just like rolled up pieces of paper. I sold out in recess. So I've always kind of hustled a little bit <laughs> as far as that goes. But why? And, why do you think that is, Nate? Why do you think that you did that at that age? I don't know. I just think I just thought it was fun. It always felt kind of like a game too, in a way. I mean, like uh, I just because like I wasn't like that when I was little, and I'm just wondering if was the motivation money or was it that you wanted to be an entrepreneur one day? Do you have any idea? Yeah, the, no, the motivation wasn't really money. It was just like validation, I guess. I just liked I just liked uh, the interaction and making people, making people happy. I mean, like people loved them or they wouldn't have bought them, you know, okay. providing value. You could see something they're excited about. And then, and, uh, and, uh, I remember like even like third grade, I had a really nice, really cool tree fort. And I was like, man, I could just make this tree fort a little better. I could probably charge like a membership fee for kids <laughs> in the neighborhood. But it ended up in sixth grade, me and my buddy, Michael, his, his uncle got candy for really cheap from a wholesale distributor. So we started selling that to kids in school uh, until we got in trouble for that. And and then into high school, I started selling marijuana a little bit and magic mushrooms to people. It's just kind of the crowd I fell in. I worked at working at a skateboarding shop in the, the city by us and, you know, got to know a bunch of older guys that were kind of into that scene and, and 
and no one had ha- had witnessed marijuana like I was I like I had in my little town. So that was fun too, you know, brought in tons of friends and and a bunch of money and I was working at McDonald's my first job when I was 15 and I would they would say Nate, you have like six paychecks sitting here waiting for you that you haven't picked up yet. It's like so money has never really been that that huge of a drive for me. So the message is that drug dealing makes a lot of money, is that what we're trying to say? It, it, I mean it yeah, it, it did. Well, way more than I need care to, to need. I mean, I, I've never been one to like spend money frivol- frivolously on clothes or, or anything, even even housing or, or anything. Um, we need to put a disclaimer in right now that we're not endorsing drug dealing. No, I'm not endorsing drug dealing, but uh, some of that stuff definitely does have medical benefits, that have been, and there's starting to be less taboo around it. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, it's kind of interesting to watch. But yeah, I definitely don't do not deal drugs anymore, and I do not condone dealing any doing anything illegal. But uh, that was that was a long time ago. I mean, that was over almost uh, you know 15 years ago now. So, but then I then after after uh, after high school, I ended up coming down to university here in in Bloomington, Indiana University, and just got sidetracked from entrepreneurship, just having to focus on college for a while. And I started out in business and I just, as you know, I'm not very good at tech stuff. The computer classes just like killed me. So I, and I was really into, I think the maybe getting into the marijuana and mushrooms brought about my like environmental side and my connection to nature more. So I decided to, to switch my major to uh, environmental management and started to learn more about nature and plants and stuff like that. And uh, graduated. Didn't really do any. But actually, in college, I did handyman stuff. I advertised in the newspaper and on the school board. And I did painting and uh, some other light handyman work on the side. But I also had a job. Uh, and then I, after that, moved away for a little bit out to Portland, Oregon. That's when I first started learning about urban farming, which is where my course will come in and here in a little bit. First started to hear about it, think about it, uh, experiment in gardening a little bit. Then we moved to Michigan for a little while, and I did a little more gardening. Then we moved back to Bloomington, this co- the co- where I went to college. And I got a job with an environmental firm doing protecting invasive or, or eradicating invasive plants, rather, and uh, promoting in, uh, native species. We would seed prairies and do woodland restoration, all that kind of stuff. And uh, did that for about five years while I was learning more about gardening and experimenting in the garden. And after about three years of that, I was just like burnt out. It's really hard work. You're You're literally like you have a backpack sprayer on a lot of times where you have you know, 30 gallons of herbicide and you have long sleeves, long pants, gloves, hat, and you're hiking through rose bushes in 110 degree temperatures during the summer, up and down hills, like crazy, crazy, brutal endurance work. Just day after day, it wore you out. You're covered in ticks and poison ivy and shakers and man, it's, it started to get old and you'd, you'd spray herbicide and it would like drift onto your face and you'd have blue dye on you from the herbicide like on your skin and it didn't feel healthy and it didn't feel like a the prop like to me like it was uh how we should be dealing with the environment either it didn't feel uh like the mission i wanted to align myself with so i started to to figure out other 
thing, or I, I started to like go on a mission of how, how am I going to start earning an income on my own? I've always been an entrepreneur. I don't think I'll ever really be happy unless I, you know, am able to figure that out at some point. So I started to research it more and I just read a ton of, ton of random books. Um, nothing really sticks out all that much to me, to be honest with you right now looking at my books up there and seeing which one I just read a bunch of different things, like half of a bunch of books and eventually came on the, the, the premise of, um, basically just finding a, a product online that you can make and that you can maybe make a little bit bigger and just rep kind of replicating it and putting it in the same channel and everything. And, you know, buying the same ads they're buying if they're buying ads and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, that makes sense. So that's basically what I did. I went on to Etsy and I found a couple products on Etsy over the next couple of years and, uh, made mine a little bit unique, but then put them on there on the channel. And I, I focused on branding. I noticed people weren't branding themselves very well on Etsy and they didn't have much follow up. And, uh, I, I launched a couple pretty successful Etsy businesses. Um, I like my second month I was making like three, close to three grand a month on there. So it took off really fast. Is that profit three grand in profit or revenue? Revenue, but there was that, that product, the first one I launched was really high profit cause it was just a, a print. So it was, uh, I would sell it for $17 and it was uh, 11 by 17 piece of paper. So my, my total cost was like a dollar per one. But you had to, it wasn't passive in that you actually had to print this and mail it to the person. Yeah, I would print out a lot. Um, so it, it was, it was really a pretty quick, you know, 15, $14 profit. And the fact that I would just print out a label, roll up the print, put it in the package and send them off. Right. I'm just saying that you do have to factor in your time. And that's, oh, yeah. you know, one of the advantages of online courses we'll talk about is that it can be very passive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I, and then I said, wow, that worked pretty good with that first product. So then I said, I'm going to do another product. And I looked, did some more research and I found another thing that was selling well that I thought I could make a little better and brand a little better. And on Etsy, it's easy to actually research how much people are selling of certain items. There's like a, a sales button on each person's page. You can click it and see what they're selling. Uh, so I found these drop top, these, uh, wedding guest books, they're luxury wedding guest books. They're like, uh, it's kind of like Plinko people sign a wooden heart and they drop it into a shadow box frame and they all load in there with people's names on them. And so I started, I found someone, you can also, you don't have to make the stuff yourself on Etsy. If you register with an outside manufacturer and they approve it, that's totally cool. So I found someone local to make those for me and he charged me 50 bucks a piece and I sold them for $150 and I did like $47,000 worth of those the first year. Holy smokes. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. And, and it it all came down to, you know, researching, just just spending a good bit of time on the research. And, Are you still uh, really, selling those? Are you selling those today? Well, I, I'm not. I actually, uh, he, mo he moved out to Oregon and it, I went through a mix up and I tried to find someone new to make them. And I went through a, a point where someone filed an I, uh, a patent infringement on me. It was some guy from the UK, and he didn't have any grounds. But it was it was a DM DM Digital Millennium Copyright Act. He filed a notice on that, and basically, I spent a bunch of money on a on a I, IP 
SP attorney to help me with it. And, uh, I would have had to file a suit in the UK and deal with all of that. And at the same time, I was already starting to, I was just so busy, like starting to get into farming and ramp up my farm because I didn't like just working in my office or, and I wanted to be able to do, be outside half the day. So I was trying to get this other business launched at the same time, this urban farm here in town. And it was just like craziness. And he had basically knocked out just one of my products, which was the natural guest book. It was the unpainted one, but I still had like six painted ones and those were still selling all right. So it just like dropped my business by half. And I, I didn't want to go through the stress of spending, you know, 30 grand on, on a lawyer and going, having to go through this case in the UK and a foreign country and all this stuff. And I just, I hate attorneys. So I said, screw it. Um, but then when my guy left, I kind of shut it down cause I'm, I'm doing, we're doing totally fine with our, my other stuff I have going on. So right now it's on pause actually. Well, I think, I think a great lesson from that is uh, having multiple in, income streams because any yeah. one of your income streams, something could happen to it that you just didn't think about or know was possible. And if, if you only have one income stream and that gets cut off, you're kind of screwed. Um, and that can oh, yeah. even apply to if your one income stream is a full-time job, right? Oh, yeah. So full-time it jobs like, can be very risky. Yeah, they can be. And it sounds like you are definitely uh, – you have a more diversified portfolio than me in terms of income streams. Yeah, and I'm that 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 definitely gave me a little PTSD, I think. And going forward, I'm always going to have that fear of like the it's going to take a while for that to vanish. Just kind of the bottom dropped out there for a little while on that. Uh actually, it did on my prints business too. The first one I had, I was making these prints that had it was called Indiana University Typography Print, and it had all these words associated with Indiana University. And I made them for like six schools, and uh, they they filed an uh, infringement charge on me too. But they or they no, they didn't file a charge. They just said you have to take these off there now. So I took those off, and that was my bestseller. So I, I lost like twenty five percent of my sales when that happened. That happened before the second one. So I haven't, you know, I'm replicating stuff. I'm telling you to go replicate stuff, but you got to be careful. That's for sure when you're doing when you're doing that. But uh, they definitely had grounds. I mean, I was using their trademark terms in there. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's happened twice to me. So I've definitely I'm all about diversifying, but it's it's tough too because it it's hard to really thrive when you can't give a business your full attention. It's something I'm kind of struggling with right now. Yeah, that's true too. I mean, you don't want to have so many different things going on that you can't give anyone the, the proper attention it needs. And that's one yeah. of the reasons passive income um, can be so good is because if you get something to a, gr a good place, then you can just let it do its thing and focus on something else. And that's kind of what I'm I'm trying to do right now is I've got my piano course in a really good place. Uh, now I'm thinking, okay, let's try to let's try to diversify it a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm starting to show yeah. people how to how to take their hobby and turn it into an online course. Um, I've got a, a couple of other things I'm thinking about possibly working on as well. So I, I agree with you completely. So you, you know, you talked about getting into farming a little bit, you know, how, how, how long until you started thinking about an online course? Well, I was do, I was farming. I was growing some stuff and, and mostly outdoors. I was doing, trying some microgreen stuff. Um, 
which is what my course is about. I'll get to more, more about that here in a little bit, but, uh, I was farming a little bit on the side just to, just to kind of balance what I was doing indoor the indoor work on my business. And, uh, it, it, uh, I started listening to a podcast, actually, Permaculture Voices podcast, Curtis Stone, this guy, he's an urban farmer. And during, well, I was working on the garden, I would listen to his podcast because he's really good. He's got tons of good farming techniques. And uh, he launched a course called Profitable Urban Farming. It was $1,000. And I went onto one of his webinars and in the, the chat box on the side, people were like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I was just like, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. I was just like, oh my gosh, he says he's making 50 grand on his farm. He just made 50 grand tonight, probably. (laughs) And you can see, you know, on his Facebook group, it's a private group, you know, you're not allowed to really join it unless you're in his, join his course, but you can still see how many members are in there. So I, I ran the numbers and I was just like, okay, this course he made, and it seems like he's probably been filming it over the last month or so by what he's been but he, what he said on the webinar and it's make, it's made more now close to more now than he's made the last few years farming. I was like, that's a, that's a huge ROI. So I was like, as I move forward in this farming thing, I'm going to try this out. And I was like, uh, that was when I was really learning about microgreens. It's 2015. I was starting to ramp up those a little bit because Curtis said they were such a good profitable crop for him. So just while I was just starting to really get into that and learn that, I taught it at the same time. And I think that's the best, really the best time to teach something is like right after you learn it, as long as you get some sort of feedback or market feedback and you can tell it's working. So that's essentially what I did. And I created six YouTube videos uh, over the course of a month or two and I put them up online and, you know, life got busy again. And I was working on the farm and my other, both my Etsy businesses and, uh, I didn't really pay any attention. And then, oh, oh, actually, right when I put those up online, I knew I needed a lead magnet. So I wrote a quick start guide to microgreens getting started. It's just like a 10 page PDF. I bought a domain name, microgreensfarmer.com. And I put that up there and all my videos, a couple of the videos I said, Hey, go there and download the quick start guide. The other videos, I just had a link in the description. And I didn't really pay much attention to it for a couple of months. I kind of forgot about it. Honestly, just, just to be clear, Nate, you, the videos you put on YouTube and, and the, what you're teaching to people at this point was simply how to grow microgreens for yourself. Or are you actually doing the business thing at this point, like how to sell and profit from growing microgreens? I, I basically just taught how to grow for five of the videos, I think, or maybe four of the videos. And then uh, one or two of them, I gave some tips on selling too. Okay. At that point, I had I had launched a, a a program where I delivered by bicycle to people's houses on a subscription basis, and it charged them on PayPal automatically every month. So I made a video about that too. And uh, and and I know a few months later, I came back and I had like you know 500 people signed up to my email list. I was like, wow, this is crazy. That's really cool. And I had a bunch of emails in my email I had created that I didn't hadn't paid attention to and uh, people asking me all kinds of stuff. And one of the primary questions I got was, where do you get your labels? How do I get make my labels like yours? Because I show those in the intro to my, my super long intro I have on my YouTube videos that shows my labels. And people were really into those. And uh, people actually said, you know, I'll pay you for those labels. I said, okay. And I just created a labels package 
uh, some downloads they could have and a little video showing them how to use the labels and how they could put their farm logo on there and everything. And I put those up for sale and I launched them to a list of like 900 people and sold $3,500 worth just writing a few, writing a few simple emails. And, and I was just, I was blown away by that. I just was like, wow, this is crazy. You know, this is not even really a warm list. I hadn't emailed them one time since they signed up. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, this really does work. Curtis was, you know, Curtis was right. I forgot. I kind of forgot about it. I need to get back on that track a little bit more. And, uh, I was kind of doing some innovative stuff with my farm more than a lot of people. I'm big experimenter. I like to conduct experiments and try things out and try and innovate. Farming just is way behind the times in a lot of ways. Uh, they're not, they're not good marketers. They're not good salespeople. They don't make it easy for people to buy from them. So I was trying to do focus a lot of stuff around there. And, uh, and then I just, I just kept selling that on, on automatic launch that, so when people would join my list, they'd get a few emails that said they could buy my branding package. And I was I, like for the next five or six months, I was making like 250 bucks a week or so selling about was, five. Uh, you were selling those around $47. Yep. 47, okay. I think, or 49. And that was pretty much a hundred percent profit, right? Yeah, that's a hundred percent profit for sure. Just, just, you know, you have a tiny bit of overhead with click funnels, $97 a month subscription and MailChimp. Um, but yeah, otherwise it was, it was pure profit. And, uh, as I got more into the farming, uh, that's when I was really, really ramping up the farm and we were selling at the farmer's market and everything. I, uh, I knew that a course would be something that people would want. People were, were kind of asking me and I even sent a survey out to my audience, you know, uh, I think I said, what is your favorite variety of microgreens? I'm going to share the results with everyone on the list. And I was like, I got a few other questions on there. I asked them what their biggest struggles were. And, uh, I took all that data and I filmed a course. I made a microgreens course, how to grow and sell microgreens with a bunch of downloads and priced it at $99 for my initial launch and sold, $7,000 worth, I think. And then I put that one on automatic in an email sequence, autoresponder sequence. So now they were getting offered both of my, my course and my branding package when they signed up for my email list. And then my email list just was growing more and more because YouTube's really cool in that when a video kind of, it kind of snowballs where a lot of channels, it drops off like Instagram and Twitter, your posts just after, after a year, you know, no one ever sees that stuff or after a, a three days, no one ever sees it. Whereas YouTube, when something kind of gains steam, it, it kind of snowballs and gains steam even faster. And so now it's, I launched that course back in October of last year and I've raised the price and I've done close to $20,000 in sales. Um, and, and I just, I knew it was totally lame how I was offering it to people just you know, a couple basic emails on an, on a MailChimp autoresponder sequence. And from, from some books I've read, they said one of the fastest shortcuts to growing a business is to find someone that's, that's like doing five to 10 X what you're doing and see if they'll be your mentor. So that's where you come into this picture. I let, I let, heard you on a podcast. And I was like, man, he's doing like exactly like 10 X what I want to do. I reached out to you and you started coaching me. And now I've built out a pretty elaborate sales funnel that 
delivers some value right up front to people with some videos and and I've raised the price of my course and everything. So I'm really excited. We're just going through testing right now and I'm about to launch it. Yeah, I'm excited for you. I think uh the numbers, I mean, you, you you started off so much better than I started off. I mean, you you launched your course at ninety nine dollars and how much how much did you say you sold? Seven thousand dollars worth? Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many months and months after launching my course did it take me to get to seven thousand. I mean, that's yeah. incredible. I uh I remember one month early on, um, probably after a year I had been doing it, I made a thousand dollars and that was you know, I made four figures and that was just incredible at the yeah. time. And now if I made a thousand dollars from it, uh you know, I'd have serious problems. <laughs> yeah. And it did a thousand dollars it did that seven thousand. But then it was doing like between the two products, it was doing five, six hundred dollars a week. And, you know, that period between launching the branding package and the course, 250, 300 bucks a week, I didn't do anything. I didn't send any emails or do anything. And then after I launched the course, I was doing 500 bucks a week or so. And I didn't do anything. I sent out one email on New Year's. I was like, if you guys want to get some training and take it off last year's taxes, you can. I sold a, almost $1,500 worth. And that was it. There was no follow-up. So it really was like between those periods, it was really good residual income. It was very passive. And, uh, and the potential is huge. And it's just like right now I'm at this point where I'm trying to like scale back my farming a little bit and focus more on this because the market really tells you where you should put your energy. You know, if the market's, if you're getting a really high ROI on something, then the market's telling you that they, they, people really value that. It adds a lot of value to people's life. So that's where you know you should kind of move towards. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm turning my farm into more, into smaller, more experimental farm, I'm trying to figure out ways to uh, push the boundaries of sales and efficiency to help other people and, and then focus more on creating these products and helping people and even maybe one-on-one -on -one helping people eventually. Yeah. Uh, and so we've, we've talked, um, several times, you know, we've, I've, you know, kind of been coaching you and, uh, I, you know, I saw the potential right at the beginning because you're, you're, you've been so kind of unintentional about the way you've done things so far and it's still worked out really well considering yeah. that. So I think if you can be intentional about it, I think that your, your results could be incredible. Yeah. And so I know you've been trying to implement some of the things I've been doing, some of the things I've been showing you. Um, and you know, you've been putting some, uh, some pre-launch videos together. You've been putting email marketing sequences together and, uh, and we're, we're kind of testing it together right now. So hopefully, hopefully you'll be seeing some results from that here pretty soon. Yeah. It sounds like. Yeah. And it is, it, it somehow the salesman really came out of me when I was making those videos and like, the final video is very salesy in a way. I don't know where it came from, but it, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how people perceive it. I, I was following Russell Brunton, the, the guy from ClickFunnels, the founder right. of Funnels, and he, he's a very good salesman. And uh, I just, I had already kind of created a perfect webinar, he calls it, or I'd, I'd been three quarters of the way through creating it. So I kind of put that in my last video, but it's, it's super sales tactic. So we'll see how that works out. That's, that's one of the things I've struggled with the most personally, because I was, a, I mean, I was an electrical engineer for eight years, introverted, you know, opposite of a salesman, right? Yeah. You know, I made this piano course and I just 
kind of expected that I would I would make it, I would put it on the internet, and then people would start buying it. Um, and I guess you know it just seemed like listening to different podcasts and things like that that it was just so easy. And you just put it out there, and then all of a sudden you have a hundred thousand dollars in your bank account. Boom. And uh, and man, no, you gotta you gotta market it. You gotta sell it. Um, you gotta get you gotta get it in front of people, and you gotta have the right messaging and all that. Yeah, I think for me, you know, I'm not the only piano course out there. I don't know if you're the only you know microgreens business out there. There's a lot of online piano courses out there, and so um, why why would somebody you know with with all of my marketing and everything, I gotta make sure that. I make it clear to somebody why they should take my course yeah. and not, not another course. And so, you know, I like to say that I'm not, I'm not selling piano lessons, right? That's not what I'm giving you. I'm giving you the ability to play piano in as little amount of time as possible. You know, my brand is piano in 21 days. Yeah. That's what I'm giving to people. And so, you know, do you, are, do you have competition with you? And if so, how do you differentiate yourself? Yeah, I do. Uh, there's just, just a couple people though that have, uh, microgreens courses and, uh, basically differentiate myself by, uh, actually doing a little bit of marketing, you know, having the email sequence and, and, uh, having the YouTube videos, like the people, the couple people that are selling it, they just, one of them has it on you, Udemy, I think. Udemy. Yeah. And the other one, he just, he's, uh, I actually learned a lot from him. I've talked to him on the phone several times. He, uh, he just has it for sale on his farm website. He doesn't do any sort of advertisement, but he's got a couple of videos on YouTube that, that were really huge, but he doesn't even have links to like his course on the videos. Um, but I also, I'm trying to distinguish myself. I, I totally agree with you. You have to kind of create your own niche. You can't just like pick a niche. You have to like pick a niche and then decide how you're going to be different than everyone else inside that niche. You kind of have to create a monopoly. Uh, and my, mine is really that my course is heavily focused on sales and tools. So I have a lot of downloads and stuff that come with it and tools and and stuff that people can use for sales, like how they can get a, uh, subscription delivery program going like I had, and then some flyers that they can hand out at their booths, a bunch of marketing flyers and and stuff like that. Well, I I will tell you, Nate, uh, everything you're saying, uh, that differentiates you is still a feature, right? You know, the whole features versus benefits thing. Yeah. So really, I mean, be thinking about the benefits of those features, right? Is, you know, for this conversation, I understand what you're saying. Like you're providing labels, you're providing yeah. flowers, things like that. But when you're pitching it to potential customers, make sure they understand what the benefit of those things are. Yeah, I know. So it's probably sales confidence and, and, uh, organizational confidence. But I, I know that that's right. I've been hearing that lately. I've been reading more on this stuff and, uh, you're exactly right. I just don't, I don't always communicate it properly. I know I focus on the, on the features for sure. That's what I'm trying to change right now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think, you know, the first, the first sales you were making were these, these labels, right. And you weren't really selling labels, you were selling, um, what were you selling? You were probably selling time uh, because people didn't want to spend the time to figure out how to make these elaborate labels that you had already done. And they yeah. wanted to take that shortcut and get 
something that they, they knew existed and was working yeah. from somebody that knew what they were doing um, so that you probably cut out several, several, several hours of their life. And it wasn't just a piece of paper or, you know, an, an image you were selling, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Cool. Well, um, the next thing I want to talk about is <clears throat> with with my online course, you know, it, it's been a it's been a just a very slow progression um, from where I started to where I am now to be able to actually support my family with it. But there were three things um, kind of bumps along the way. There were three things that I did that really, you know, made a noticeable impact on my, uh, on my bottom line. Mm-hmm. The first thing I did was scarcity, right? A lot of people, um, that have an online course somewhere, you can go to their website and you can buy the online course novel concept, right? Yeah. Um, you can't do that with mine. And I think that with, with yours, um, you just have a squeeze page up right now and it doesn't say whether you can or cannot buy something from you right now. It's just that everything happens once you get past that squeeze page. And I think before, you know, several months ago, you had the kind of upsell right after they opted in, then they could buy those labels. Yeah. Am I, am I right on that? Yeah. Um, with with mine, I actually put on my website like, "Hey, the online course is waitlisted. Uh, you know, join the waitlist here, and if you do, you'll get this free workbook." And um, so I implemented that scarcity, and that immediately showed it, um, had a huge bump. And and I would only launch the course every so often, and um, because people, you know, people just procrastinate. That's just human yeah. nature. And if you give them a reason to buy in terms of your product is not going to be available or maybe certain bonuses that come with it are not going to be available anymore or a certain price isn't going to be available anymore. Now, I'm not a huge fan of the price thing. I like to keep prices constant. Um, I never like to devalue uh, my, my own product. Yeah. But just uh, scarcity is very powerful. So yeah. that that was the first big, big jump. And I think you're you're on board with the, the scarcity as well. Yeah, for sure. Fear people have the fear of missing out and FOMO. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they're procrastinators, but it, it's it's fine to like you know make them take action if you know that your product can help them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I got an email from somebody a couple of days ago, and he was like, he was like, man, I'm one of the people that jumped in right at the last second because I knew it was expiring, but I'm so glad I did. I'm already on day you know eight of the program. This this and that. So um, yeah. and. And, you know, and since then, you know, I implemented scarcity two or three day, days ago. Now I still have scarcity, but it's on an evergreen level. So I'm, I'm really hopefully not missing out on any on any potential sales. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I did would be uh, phone calls. Um, I don't know that a lot of people are doing this out there, but, um, you know, almost, uh, you know, a lot of people that sign up for my program, I will have spoken to on the phone before they sign up. Um, and that's just, uh, I get, I, you know, I really enjoy it. This is what I do for a living. So I enjoy speaking to people from all over the world that want to take my course. Um, that's just super cool. And so we get on the phone and most of the time they sign up right on the phone. I think that, uh, it's probably an 80 to 90% close rate because of the way that I have things set up before they get on the phone with me. 
Um, but I don't just just do it to close the sale. I mean, it just it really is just a cool, cool thing. Um, yeah, part of my business. And the people on the other end of the phone really appreciate it as well. It's not just, you know, a computer screen. Like they know that I'm a real person, um, that I'm passionate yeah. about this stuff like that. So, um, but you know, it's nice that you get a little more sales that way too. So, yeah. because it's, it's easier for people to click yes to book a phone call and then say yes again on the phone call to purchase than to just purchase, click a button to say purchase. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's also just a major when people when people just start doing this, you know, they're usually on their own. They're usually a solo entrepreneur and they're working from home and it's super lonely just being at home all day by yourself and it'll affect your mental health quickly and make you burn out on it really quickly. So that's another really cool aspect of getting on the phone too, I think. I don't get on the phone right now, but I, I do a monthly mastermind here locally with other entrepreneurs in my town. And I'm uh, still working a couple hours a week for this nonprofit organization. I'm kind of consulting with them on their helping them with their sales funnel, essentially. Um, so that gets me out of the house at least one day a week now. And then I'm at the farmer's market and stuff. So. It's definitely really important, something to think about if you're going to get started with info products. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the calls are, are not a requirement, um, and I would still be making sales without them. But um, for now, I still enjoy them. Uh, and it's a, it's a great point about just kind of like if you're working from your house by yourself, you know, I know I've, I've got a wife here and I've got one kid, one on the way. You've got two kids, is yep. it? Yeah, so we're in a similar situation. I mean, I say hi to them throughout the day, but that's the, the most interaction I get. Um, and so, yeah, the phone calls are really nice. I was just looking at my my schedule. I haven't had a phone call yet today. Um, you know, I I got up this morning, checked some emails. We're doing this, recording this podcast now. Um, at eleven forty five, I have a call with Dawn in New York City, um, and then. At one fifteen, I have a call with John, who's in Glasgow. Uh, Glasgow, yeah, Glasgow, Glasgow City, in uh, Great Britain. Cool. And then at three thirty, I have a call with Lizette, who is in. Let's see. She is in Round Rock, Texas. Wow. And would you say like at least seventy five percent of them answer the phone, and probably a at least that many end up closing on the phone. Man, I get, I mean, I would say 99%. I get on the phone with 99% of the people that book the call and uh wow. you know, maybe maybe 90% answer, but if they don't answer, I'll, you know, send them a text message or something and I'm like, "Hey, you know, Jacques here, are you ready for a call?" and they just kind of forgot or they were busy and then we get on the phone. So, almost yeah. everybody I get on the phone with and then, I mean, the close rate is just 80, 90% by that point. And, and we'll talk about in future episodes why that is, because I'm doing a lot for the people before they get on the phone with me. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, that's phone calls. Uh, that's really so, cool. And I learned that from, um, you know, at one time, at one time I, you know, I thought maybe my future as an entrepreneur was, was digital marketing consulting. And, and so I learned the phone call thing from somebody, you know, telling how to close 
digital marketing clients. And, and I, you know, that never really worked for me in terms of that being successful for me, but the, yeah. I, I applied the phone calls to my online course and that was, it's been really cool. Yeah. Um, the third thing uh, is Google AdWords. Yeah. Before I implemented Google AdWords, I was only doing a couple to $3,000 sales a month. Um, and all of my traffic came from YouTube, all of it. And I think that's kind of where you are in terms of your traffic. Yeah. And I was getting 10, 12 leads a day, something like that. And I had, and look, I've got a, I've got a decent YouTube channel. Um, one of my videos has, it's just about to hit a million views. Wow. Uh, uh, and, and a lot of my traffic comes from there, but it's nowhere near the traffic I get from Google AdWords. And the reason that traffic is so good, at least in my niche and a lot of people's niches that are going to create an online course is because, well, it depends. But if somebody knows what they're looking for, then Google AdWords is a great way to go. Yeah. People know when they want to learn how to play piano and they go to Google and they search learn piano online. They search adult piano lessons. They learn, they search how to learn piano quickly. Yeah. You know, and if you type in any of those, I'm going to appear right at the top because I'm paying Google to do that. Yeah. People are looking for a solution when they get on Google. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of Facebook ads now, but that's just the, the quality of traffic is nothing compared to Google AdWords because people aren't necessarily already looking for those things. Yeah. So I'm sure I know I don't think you're doing Google AdWords right now, are you? I'm not doing any advertising now. Yeah, so you're not doing any paid advertising. Once you get your funnel in place and your systems in place, and, and I wouldn't recommend anybody to pay for advertising before that, but once you get them in place, you're going to want to look into are people searching for how to start a microgreens business, how to sell microgreens, how to sell microgreens at the farmer's market, you know, to chefs. You're going to want to see if people are already searching for those terms, and if they are, you're sitting on a gold mine. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I, and there's not very many farmers that, you know, um, people who teach farming online, they're farmers. There's not many farmers that are interested in advertising and learning the advertising, but that I know that's a key from all the internet marketers that I follow. It's just like, you know, the, if you can just pay for eyeballs, and you can at least you can at least make enough to cover your ad spend plus a little bit more. You know you're making money on the top end, and then you have these contacts that you can launch to in the future with any new products you come out with, or you know follow up with them whenever. So that's cool, and you're helping more people with your free content, even if they're not buying. Exactly. Yeah. So I mentioned, you know, I mentioned from YouTube, like before I was advertising. Um, getting 10 to 12 leads a day. Um, now that I'm actually paying for some traffic, I get between 100 and 150 leads a day, which is wow. which is nice. Um, yeah. And like you said, I mean, even nowhere near that many people actually buy something from me, but hopefully I'm still providing a ton of value to those that don't. And yeah. I think I am. Yeah. So, all that's right. Pretty well, cool. yeah. So that's, uh, that's our that's our online courses. Any anything else you want to add for today? Uh, which of those three things do you think I should focus on first after I get this funnel in place? Should I start figuring out the phone situation, or should I turn to ads? Or 
That's a good question. So the the funnel that I'm helping you implement already has scarcity in it. So you don't need to worry about that. That's already going to be implemented. Yeah. Um, the phone calls, that's really a personal decision whether you want to go through with that or not because you're going to make sales even if you don't do phone calls. And that takes away from some of the passiveness of this process. Yeah. Um, now, my funnel and, and I think your funnel is set up in a way to where, hey, if you're going to go out of town for two weeks and you don't want to deal with the phone calls, you can just flip a switch and all the everybody goes through the path of, of just being able to buy, on, buy it online, which is yeah. fine. And you can test it. You know, you can go both ways. You know, do do phone calls for one week. Do it without phone calls for one week. See what your enjoyment level is. Um, see what your income is, and yeah. just uh, just kind of test it. Yeah, cool. So, but to answer, you know, I, I would probably lean toward more towards AdWords. Once yeah. you get the funnel in place, I would lean more toward AdWords. Yeah. I think. Okay. Cool. I mean, I'm I'm spending I'm literally spending like ten grand a month on AdWords. Wow. And I wouldn't be doing that if I wasn't making more in that more than that in return, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's from, I mean, that's from piano lessons. Um, I don't know if uh, if a microgreens business is is uh, it's probably in less demand than that, but but we'll see. We can we can do the research and see. Yeah. One other thing I do want to talk about before we get finished up for today is just with you launching this podcast. Uh, and people that listen to this first episode, I think that they really need to pay attention to this because this is a huge opportunity right now. There's, if, if you look at the ROI on college right now, college is the most expensive it's ever been. And the average earnings of like a college graduate are like the lowest in comparison to that than they've ever been. So it's at like a breaking point. And a lot of people are realizing it's just not a good deal to go to school anymore. And you can instead invest in learning a specialized skill from someone online through like an online course. And and you can take that skill and make money with it. Like my course teaches people how to grow and sell microgreens. And the course is going to be $297 now. And they can take that information. And within two weeks, they can have a business that's making $300 to $600 a week selling to chefs and at farmer's markets. And that's like a huge ROI. Or you can spend... $60,000 to go to college and hope that you get a job working for someone, you know, and, and shifting around constantly and having to fill out resumes and all that, all that stuff. So it's, if you can, and, and, you know, if you can create a course, you can scale it and help a ton of people. That's why, that's why this stuff, this stuff produces a good ROI is because, you know, people couldn't pay me $300 to come to my house and learn how to do this. But with the power of the internet, I can do it one time and then it's worth it for me. So that, so they, they get a killer deal because they can pay $300 to learn everything. But then I get a killer deal too because I can sell it to tens of thousands of people eventually. And it's an asset that I own that I can have my own, my whole life to sell. And, and it's really not that it can be pretty simple to get one of these going. Uh, my, my course, for instance, all I did was film myself with not a very special camera at all. Really crappy camera, actually. I just upgraded, but it was a it was a camera that I bought in 2007. Uh, filmed myself, everything I did for two weeks. Edited it down over the course of 
a few days, put up the videos, and then essentially just took the made made a couple extra downloads and tweaked the ones I had. And I had my whole course done in a month or less. And that was working just an hour or two a day, really. Uh, you don't need to put a ton of effort in. And with the power of the internet right now, it's just like it's it's a crazy time. It's a crazy opportunity. And I think people should definitely consider doing something like this because it's just going to become more of the go-to for training in the future, I think. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Nate. Uh, You know, it's people get scared about making their own online course because it's like, what what am I going to teach somebody else? And what I always say is, like, you don't need to be an expert at something. You just need to know a little bit more than somebody else to be able to teach them something. And that goes right along with what you were saying earlier about how you you had kind of just learned about how to grow microgreens and sell them or whatever. And that's at the point when you started teaching other people yeah. because you, you had the information, it was fresh. Um, and that also helped you learn it better too. Yeah. And I, I, that's all ingrained in my messages too. You know, I have a Facebook group growing and selling microgreens and I tell people, where I'm at, you know, I'm not, this is not a hundred thousand dollar a year business. I just, I'm selling typically like 30 trays a week, maybe on a, on a good week. And my, my keeping my business real small, but you can take what you learn from me and you can scale it up even bigger for yourself. It's just that I just don't have the time to scale it up right now. Uh, but you can be totally authentic and tell people exactly where you're at. And actually, you know, that's even more powerful in marketing nowadays. People are really into the authenticity authenticity online and just, you know, exposing it all and, uh, being more of a trusted advisor. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's one of the best. You don't have to be an expert to do this, to launch an online course, pick something that is a high value that takes a bit of work to learn. Like piano takes a bit of work to learn. Growing and selling microgreens takes a bit of work to learn because then you have a barrier of entry. You're not going to get tons of competitors sweeping in and people know that they need some training to learn it. So if you find something like that, uh, maybe it's uh, learning to code on the computer or, you know, learning to start a professional closet organizing business or something. Business opportunities are great because it's really easy to, to, to explain how people can get a return on their investment. But you're obviously not selling that and you're doing really well. So it's definitely not required. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a great time to to look into this. And if you want to learn something that's pretty tricky, document what you're learning along the way, put it up on YouTube, share it with people, write a little cheat sheet and put it on a website and tell them to go to the cheat sheet. It's as simple as that. And then you stay, keep staying one step ahead of them and keep learning more. And, uh, that's all there is to it. You can be teaching within first couple of weeks of learning something new yourself. Good stuff, Nate. All right. I think that's, uh, that's going to do it for, for episode one. So this has been really good and, uh, we'll be back episode two. We're going to talk about this. This leads right into it. We're going to talk about why, why create an online course? Why would you want to do it? So a little preview there the past couple of minutes. Okay. (laughs) I, I forgot that was coming in episode two, but I'll have plenty more good reasons of why you should do this in the next episode. Yep. Sounds good. All right. See you next time, Nate. All right, later. Well, thanks for listening to episode one of the Online Course Guy podcast. If you're ready to jump in and start making your own online course, I've got a free quick start guide waiting for you at the Online Course Guy 
www.ethanfieldcoaching.com and in that guide, you'll find the eight steps to turning your hobby into an online course. So go ahead and head over to the onlinecourseguide.com and grab that quick start guide and we'll see you next week for the next episode of this podcast.